All right. This week is a challenging one because sometimes in life we have to read books that we don't want to read. Maybe a professor prescribes it or you have to read a book for work. And that was my case. I had to read this book for work. I did not enjoy it on the first time through. But I learned a couple of things on how to make boring books or difficult books more interesting and keep us engaged. I'm going to share those with you this week. Let's get started. Welcome to this week's episode of the Read Well Podcast. My name is Eddie Hood and I'm your host where I believe it's more important to read well than to be well-read. So grab your favorite book, open up your notes, and let's get ready to learn something fascinating. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is episode 11. We have passed the 10-episode mark, and I got to tell you, uh, the community is actually growing. I'm really, really proud of this. I'm, I'm, uh, I want to share with you really quickly. If you are new here, we have a couple places where you can connect and sort of be a part of what's going on. So if you can uh, go over to your internet and just click a few buttons with me really quickly. Now, if you're driving, of course, you can't do that. But if you're at home listening, uh, head on over to the readwellpodcast.com. This is the homepage for the podcast where you can click subscribe up here and uh, get into the weekly newsletter. Now, this is kind of a fun newsletter. It's really enjoyable for me. I, I, I'm not a fan of newsletters, to be honest, so I'm, that sounds hypocritical. But uh, every week I try and write a new essay on a topic of something in which I'm reading that I think is applicable to helping us become better readers. Uh, so to give you an example, last week I wrote an essay called Reading is Back, Why Are So Many People Reading Again? And you can read through this. I'm seeing just more and more people at the bookstores and at the train stations and just in general walking around with books. And I was curious, so I wrote an essay on that. But I send out one message a, a week on uh, on how to become a better reader. The next place to connect with us is just at Facebook. We have a, a really uh, simple Facebook page here, but it is growing. We've got 155 followers now, and some really fun conversations are starting to happen, all of it around uh, you know, spending our lives reading really, really great books. And in fact, one of the messages that came from the Facebook page is inspiring this episode this week. So uh, her name was Bridget, and Bridget wrote, I was wondering if you could do a podcast on reading nonfiction. She says, I love to read nonfiction, but it will bore me and put me to sleep. So I'm happy to make that podcast for you, Bridget. That is what we're talking about today. But if you get a chance, head on over to Facebook and uh, like the page and get in on the conversation because it's been really fun. People are talking about their favorite books and philosophy and reading strategies and styles. And it's just it's a, it's a good place to be. Now, uh, you also might know that we are on YouTube. So if you have a YouTube, uh, uh, you know, if, if that speaks to you, uh, head on over to the readwellpodcast.com and we've got all of our videos here. This is a video podcast. So every week a new uh, video comes out with this information. But also, I've had people asking me how to become a more active reader. They want to build better reading habits. And so they uh, want to know how do I get in on a daily basis and read books? So I created a play playlist for you. It's right here called Build a Reading Habit in 30 Days. So if you watch this intro video, it'll walk you through how it works. But each day you watch this, one of these videos are 15 to 30 minutes long, where I talk about some sort of message to help you get started. And then uh, we read together for 15 minutes. And if you can read for just 15 minutes every morning, by the end of this month, you're going to be just a powerful reader and you're going to have this habit in your life. All right, so that's uh, all of that. Now let's get into this week's message. So if you are reading nonfiction like Bridget and you are really struggling to stay 
uh, interested and entertained. I get that uh, because I had to read this book and it's dreadful. Now, uh, it's not dreadful anymore. This book has actually changed the way we do business. If you don't know anything about me, uh, I actually have a, a business that uh, runs by day. It is an accounting firm. So I got my degree in accounting and uh, we do business. Uh, bookkeeping and accounting for businesses all across the United States. But uh, this book here is called Attraction by Gina Wickman. And I did not enjoy this book at first. Uh, I've read a lot of business books. And so it's really sort of hard to get me interested in in, uh, reading more business books. They kind of all start to feel the same. And I would really rather be reading, um, you know, uh, Nietzsche or, or, uh, you know, Cormac McCarthy, Emerson, anybody. Uh, and so I really struggle having to, to read this. And I also don't like being assigned to books. I don't like people saying, here, you, you have to read this. And this was this happened in our business where uh, I have two other partners. And one partner came across this book and said, we're going to read this. It's going to change the way we do business. And I kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to read this book. Uh, and so I, I read through the first uh, couple uh, chapters and I instantly just was falling asleep. I was like, I knew it. This is going to be a terrible experience, and I just didn't want to be there with it. Now, something interesting happened. Uh, a couple other people read the book in in our company, and they were like, "It's going to change everything. This is great." And so now I'm starting to get curious, right? I'm like, "Well, what did I miss? <laughs> why, 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 why are so many people liking this book, and why did I not like it?" Uh, and, and, and a couple, a couple of things kicked in for me. I realized that number one, I approached the book with the wrong attitude in the beginning. I just decided in the beginning, this is going to put me to sleep mainly because I didn't choose the book myself because I'm such a passionate reader. I want to pick what I read. I don't want people telling me what to read. And so, because I didn't choose it, I instantly dismissed it. And that was a, a a big uh, disadvantage to me as a reader. Uh, now, the next thing is that uh, I kind of came into the topic feeling like I had read enough business books. So what's another one going to teach me? I had pride going into this this book. Uh, you know, I have a degree in uh, um, accounting and I also have a master's in business. So I was like, you know, these books are pretty generally written. There's not a whole lot in them. And I just wasn't interested. So I went back and I uh, I, I sat down and said, all right. If we are actually going to employ this book in our business, I have to number one read it because I'm I'm the CEO of the company. <laughs> so I have to. Uh, I can't have everybody in the business reading this book and talking about it and making changes and me like rolling my eyes about it. I need to get invested. So I thought, well, what can I do to make this book uh, interesting? What can I do to get vested in it? And I came up with a series of things, and I'm glad I did because this book has dramatically changed the way we do business, and it has made us so much better. And uh, I, I, I really enjoy it now. It took me a while, but I, I really, really favor it now. So let's get into some of these ideas, and hopefully they will help you work through uh, these ideas. So first of all, let's talk about what a difficult book even means. What does it mean to be difficult? Well, this does not, to me, mean that it is hard to read. Like, for example, a lot of people might consider uh, philosophical works difficult works. But if you're interested in philosophy and you have a passion for it, I would argue that is not difficult for you. Uh, It is just requiring a little bit of extra thought. To me, difficult means that you literally don't want to read it. You are are coming to that work with a sense of dread, 
right? Uh, You're saying this book is dreadful and I don't want to read it. That makes it difficult, right? You could you could read Harry Potter and it would be a difficult book if if you are approaching the book as though it is something you don't want to read and you're being forced to read it. We face this feeling all the time, especially when you're in college and then your professors give you books that you just don't want to read. You would rather do other things. And I understand that. So that that is what I would call a difficult book. So let's just separate the the terminology here and make sure that we're approaching the conversation well. Difficult in this podcast does not mean uh, um, complicated. It does not mean that it requires a lot of work or thought. It means that it is uninspiring to you, that you are, it's like pulling teeth for you to get to read it, right? Because it's just not your thing. All right, so let's start off with this idea that that we are, we're either reading out of duty because we're being uh, forced to, or we're reading out of curiosity because we want to. And in most instances, when people tell me that they're reading books that are difficult or boring and that they're putting them to sleep, and I would share this with you too, Bridget, uh, if, if you're reading nonfiction and it is boring you, uh, if you, if, if, it, if it wasn't prescribed to you, stop reading it. Like <laughs> the, I think we often read books because we feel like we're supposed to. So let's put aside the professors and the, the business people for a minute, our bosses, and let's just go with the fact that we chose this book at Barnes & Noble or whatever bookstore you go to. Hopefully you have a local bookstore that you are supporting. Let's support the small guys because they are, 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 they're just gems, right? But let's say you buy this book. Now, you might have bought this book because you feel like you're supposed to read it. For example, um, maybe it is like a a classic in uh, some nonfiction realm. Maybe it is just like the book of all books and everybody says it's great. So now you feel like you're supposed to read it because you want to get in on the conversation or maybe, maybe, uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I've purchased books before and felt like I need to read them because uh, they made some list or uh, I don't feel like I would be capable of having, uh, you know, a certain level of, of intellect unless I read this thing. I'm not reading it for me. I'm not reading it because I'm curious or interested. I'm reading it because uh, my my self-esteem says you're not going to be good enough or smart enough until you read this book. That might sound silly, but I think sometimes we buy books not because we want to read them, but because we feel like we probably maybe should read them. And uh, when you get into these books... If you're reading out of that sense of duty, you're probably going to fall asleep because you're in it for the wrong reason. Now, if you're reading out of curiosity, that is a whole different thing. You know, if uh, if you want to learn how to garden, you can buy books on gardening uh, that for, would put me to sleep. Like I have no interest in gardening. But if that is your thing, you could probably read books about gardening for days or weeks or months and just be completely enthralled with that. So the first thing we need to do is if you're falling asleep when you're reading nonfiction is to really have an honest conversation with yourself and ask, why are you reading this thing? Because if it's not doing it for you, set it aside. There are too many great books out there, too many fascinating subjects to be spending our our hard-earned free time in a book that is just driving us nuts, right? Let's not do that. Reading should never be a punishment. It should never be something that is boring or puts you to sleep. It should be something that fills you up and makes you want to live a better life. That's the whole point, right? Books should help you see your worldview anew and want to live better. 
So let's start with the fact that maybe you've chosen the book for the wrong reason. Okay. And we need to, we need to, we need to be comfortable setting the book aside and picking up something new if if we're not interested. I have a 50-page rule with any book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. With within 50 pages, if I'm not interested, I'm leaving the book. It's just, it's really got to get a hold of me because the average book, nonfiction or fiction, you know, three to four hundred page book is gonna take most people anywhere between eight and twenty hours. That's a lot of time. Eight and 20 hours, if you think about, uh, you know, how much time you have to dedicate to things, uh, I have these sort of small slots in my life, uh, which are free because I have my business to run. I have four incredible kids and I have my wife and I have, uh, you know, all these things I have to take care of that I don't often get just a whole bunch of free time. So when I do, I better be in a book that I love. All right. Now let's get back into the idea that perhaps somebody has prescribed this book for you. So we're, we're we're solving all of your personal issues by saying, if you chose this book on your own accord and it's boring you, just get rid of it. Put it away. There's no shame in that. After 50 pages, set it down. Find something interesting and read that. See, Bridget mentioned something interesting in her comment. Uh, let me go back to it here. She said, uh, uh, I love to read nonfiction, but it will bore me and put me to sleep. So uh, she's making a really broad claim here that all nonfiction is going to put her to sleep. Uh, and, and and I can see uh, sort of this conversation happening. I call these I am statements. I didn't create the, the phrase, of course, but I can almost hear Bridget saying, I am uh, a fiction reader. I love reading fiction. I love uh, whatever kind of stories. And I, I'm also a nonfiction reader, but I am bored by nonfiction. And so she's starting the conversation in her head by saying, I am bored by all kinds of nonfiction. And so we want to rewire that a little bit too, right? Uh, not all nonfiction is going to be boring for you. It's probably just you're reading the wrong nonfiction, which I'm guilty of doing all of the time as well. So we want to start with the right I am statement. And instead of saying, I am bored when I read nonfiction or uh, whatever it might be, you want to rewrite that to, I am a curious person and I am going to read books that fill up that curiosity, right? We want to be researching things that get us excited about life. Um, we don't want to ever have to wake up and, and read things that are just not at all interesting. So Let's now move over to uh, school and work. If the book is prescribed to you and somebody is asking you or making you read this thing because it's part of a program, well, now we need a strategy because you might not find that book interesting, but it doesn't matter. You got to get through it in order to get a good grade. And you cannot uh, skip sections or parts because <laughs> you'll, you'll fail the test. You have to read the book, right? So let's get into these ideas uh, that I, I love. So I have with me a reading kit, and I've done videos on my reading kit before, but you'll notice in my reading kit, I have many, many colors of highlighters, and each color is a, has a separate job to do. When I am reading a book that is boring me and putting me to sleep, I like my yellow highlighter. My yellow highlighter, I use anytime I find something in a piece of writing that I disagree with. It is my confrontational highlighter. And I, I find that when I'm reading something boring, it becomes more interesting when I start to have a little bit of an argument with the author. And I start asking myself, why is this boring? What is, what is not working for me 
And why am, why am I falling asleep? And by looking for the things that I don't agree with and highlighting them, I'm, I'm naturally pulled into this book. I naturally care more about it because I almost want to um, not necessarily prove the author wrong or my teacher wrong or whatever it's going to be, but I want to find the reason why it's, it's not working. And I like to highlight passages that don't agree with, with my values or my worldviews or what I understand uh, or whatever, right? This is a really great way to start having some, some focused time in a book that you're not, uh, you know, really filling. Okay, the next one is called Eat That Frog. This is a weird phrase, but it works every time. And just stick with me here. No, I am not. I don't have any vendetta against frogs. This is like a, uh, there's a gentleman named Brian Tracy who is in sort of the, the personal development self-help world. And Brian wrote a book called Eat That Frog. And it's a really great book. It's nonfiction, by the way. And if you want to read something that will help you sort of get over difficult things and challenging things, I highly recommend reading Eat That Frog. It's really, really good. But here's the gist of this book. Brian argues that at any moment in time throughout the day, you've got a laundry list of things that you need to do, right? Uh, and in our case, if you're a student or you work for a boss who's given you a book, part of your, your job right now is to read this book and to read it well enough that you can have an intelligent conversation about it in class or at work. You can't get the cliff notes to every book, people. You, you have to read the dang thing. And so you're stuck and you know that this is a problem. So here's, here's the issue. All day long, you go throughout your day in a bad mood because you know in the back of your head that you've got to find time to read this book that you're just despising. It's not something that is motivating you, and it's, it's frankly putting a rain cloud over your head. So you, you go throughout the day, and you, you find other things to do instead of reading the book. Telling yourself that you'll eventually get to it, right? And what happens is, is you you do the dishes and you take the dog for a walk and you go to work and you do all these things. And then it's like eight or nine at night. And then you you just need a little bit of a break. So then you watch Netflix for a minute or YouTube, you know, crazy people on YouTube. And by 10 or 11 at night, you still haven't read the book. And if it's a school-related thing, you have to read it by tomorrow because you're going to be tested on it. So you start like going through these pages at midnight in a horrible mood uh, for a couple reasons. One, this book has weighed you down all day and has just put you in a bad mood. And now you're exhausted and tired and you're trying to make sense of a book that already made you bored and tired, but you're, you're just, you're done, right? So eat that frog is this idea that Brian shares with you that imagine if in the morning you woke up and the very first thing you did was eat a big, live, slimy, gooey, nasty, sticky frog, right? You just did it. You just ate the frog. <laughs> it's a disgusting image, but it's a really powerful image because he says that if you do that, everything throughout the rest of the day pales in comparison, right? Nothing is going to be as bad as eating a big, nasty booger frog thing, right? Booger frogs, that is a real term, people. It's a real term. If you do that, no matter what comes next, it's just, you got it. You can handle that, right? So he suggests, and I agree, that you do the, the worst thing first, the thing that you're dreading. You just do it. You just, you just work on it and you do it. And then that weight is lifted off your shoulders, right? Now you get to go through the rest of the day knowing you've done it. 
you've read the book, you've gotten through it, and you are uh, feeling good about life. And this is interesting because now you're not building up resentment against the book. You're feeling accomplishment for the book. And that, by default, makes it more interesting because uh, every day it gives you sort of this ability to feel better about your day because you read it, right? Uh, books become harder when we, when we resent them more and more and more. So uh, here's the other argument. If, if you wake up in the morning and you know get your favorite drink or whatever, and you sit down at whatever time you wake up, uh, let's call it, let's call it 8 a.m. First thing you do at 8 a.m. is you read this book for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it's going to be. Your brain is, I know you feel tired. I get that. You're groggy when you wake up, but your brain is also the most rested right when you wake up. It's had anywhere from six to hopefully eight hours of sleep. Okay. It is far more prepared to handle this book now right right there in the morning than it will be after an entire day of watching the kids, cleaning the house, doing the homework, doing the job, running errands, uh, going to the gym. All that stuff just kind of takes away uh, little bits of energy from your brain. If you do it very first thing, your brain has all of this capacity. And here's the wonderful thing. Your, your brain starts to see connections in this book that aren't so boring. And you might think, Oh, I <laughs> maybe there is something for me to learn in this book. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see this book, Traction, okay? Now watch what happens when I turn it this way, right? Do you guys see this? These are my notes, right? As I read, I actually found things in here that were fascinating, things that I would not have found had I continued to write off the book thinking that it was going to be terrible. This book is actually quite good and has made us far more profitable as a business, and we run way more efficiently. Our staff are much happier. Uh, I am much happier as a business owner. I'm very grateful for this book now, but my goodness, I had to kind of get my head out of the dirt and, and read it properly, and I had to read it at, uh, I, I wake up at 5.30 in the morning, so by 6, I was reading Traction, and uh, I would read it for 30 minutes. I really didn't want to read longer than 30 minutes because I wanted some reading time for other books that are uh, that interest me personally, right? So I would, I would read Traction first, get that out of the way, and I would take my notes, and I would think about my business and go, this is actually going to be good. And then I would read uh, Emerson or something because I'm just nerdy like that, and that's where I want to be. So I hope this helps you understand. We're not done yet. Don't leave. <laughs> but eating that frog is probably some of the best advice I've ever received in my life for anything that I kind of don't want to do. And if you're a student and you're going to uh, college, look, homework and, and all of that stuff you got to do, if you just bang that out right when you wake up, you now get to live the rest of your day in joy and doing what you want. And you don't have that weight on your shoulders. Uh, it is probably the best life hack I have ever found uh, to, to bring happiness and joy in my life do the crappy thing first. And it's not so crappy. It's really, really good. Okay. Let me grab this. I did a video on uh, my question cards. This is going to help you, Bridget, and anybody else who's reading books that they feel are kind of putting them to sleep. This is going to solve this for you. I call it a question card, and I'm going to challenge you to write three of them. So before you, before you start a book, or if you're in the middle of a book that is boring you, but you want to get through it, or you have to get through it, I'm going to challenge you to go get three different three by five cards, just blank cards. And, it, and then I want you to sit down with your book and ask uh, yourself, uh, what, what in this book do I want to know, 
Like, what would be good to learn from this book? Okay. At the end of this, what are things that I want to have answered? And I only want you to ask three questions. You can come up with more if you like, but get at least three. And at the top of each card, I want you to write the, the, uh, the, the question here. And then as you read the book, uh, your goal is to actively look for answers to those questions. Now, this is important. Don't just come up with three questions that the book will probably answer. That's cheating. I want you to come up with three questions that you are actually interested in. In college, I had to read a book on sociology. It was easily the worst book I had to read in college. I hated that class. I The sociology just killed me. Um, I wish I would have had this this. Uh, um, method when I was in college, because if I had written down three questions I was actually curious about and then read that book to try and find those answers, I might not have gotten a better grade in the class, but I would have at least walked out knowing three things about sociology that to me are fascinating, right? That to me are interesting. And uh, th this is really, really helpful. And then uh, all you do, you only get uh, the front and the back of the card so you can write small. But your job as you're reading is to answer this question and uh, write down the things that are actually working for you. Uh, okay, so last but not least, I want to share with each of you uh, an idea that um, when, you're, when you're reading something, you can actually um, uh, make your notes more fascinating at the same time. So I, there's a there's a tool that I have. Let me let me log in for you here. I'm building this. It's called Highlightish. It's a tool that um, I am creating for uh, the process of becoming a better reader. So if you go to highlightish.com, you just think of the word highlight like highlighting in a book, and add ish at the end. I'm going to log into my account here for you and show you sort of what's happening. But uh, oh look, I have to put in my uh, nobody look as I put in my password. <laughs> Uh, give me two seconds. I, I'm really kind of frustrated with the uh, level of password protection we all need on a daily basis just to live our lives. Are you guys feeling this? I'm trying to log in here now, and it's asking for authentications and all sorts of other stuff. All right, this is Highlightish, and the goal here is to help you become an intelligent reader. To help me, I'm building this tool for me, and anybody that wants to read, uh, use it, it's it's out there on the internet. You can go ahead and log in and use it. But when we read books, so I've got some of the books that I'm reading here. And so when I go into any one of these books, this is the practice by Seth Godin, for example. And as I scroll down, I've got my highlights here. I can click into any one of these highlights. And this section right here is a section from the book. You can see that it's on page nine. Uh, these are the tags that I gave this specific highlight. It's called, I, I, I called the highlight, uh, I gave it the title, Art Equals Doing Work That Might Not Work. Right. This whole book is about uh, shipping your work out and, and, and sending it out of the world and being brave with your, your art or your, your business or whatever you do. It sort of gives you the courage to start YouTube channels or whatever. But this is the actual phrase from the book. Uh, let's call it art, the human act of doing something that might not work, something generous, something that will make a difference. The emotional act of doing personal self-directed work to make a change that we can be proud of. We each have more leverage than ever before. We have access to tools and myriad of ways forward and a real chance to contribute. Now, I'm sharing this with you because in Highlightish, one of the things that we can do, instead of just highlighting our notes in, in the book itself, like I've done with Traction, where I've got all of these uh, tabs, you can bring those highlights into Highlightish. And then you can ask critical questions about it. Well, why did I like this section, right? And you'll notice that I've got these little uh, orange number one, number two, and then I think there's a third one. Oh, no, there's just two. 
But these are footnotes. Highlightish allows you to uh, annotate in depth the things that you read. So if I if I come in and edit this actual um, uh, highlight here, I can highlight any part of this, and then I can click this button to add a footnote. And then these footnotes will get added down here where I can add my own thoughts. This is an important idea because uh, I think when we read, we do so passively. And it, you know we'll highlight something, and then we'll forget about it, and we'll move on with life. And uh, that, that highlight or that bit of knowledge is sort of lost. But if, whether you do it this in highlightish or you do it in your own personal journal, I would, I would encourage you when you're reading something that's nonfiction that bores you, uh, the practice by Seth Godin is not at all boring. It's a fantastic book. But look, as you're reading, don't just highlight. Look at the bit that you highlighted and then annotate it. Go in, in here and write your little footnotes and then add notes at the bottom that says why you like it. So, for example, I liked the phrase uh, that this might not work. It's the idea that as you send your work out into the world, people might not like it. People might not care about what you're doing. And I wrote, I have to be comfortable in knowing that my art might not work. People may not accept it, pay for it, or even notice it. That's a killer. Worrying that I'll uh, dedicate years of my life to something that might fail. That's why I have to find reasons to do work for myself, to find it personally fulfilling, regardless of the market's acceptance of it. So do you guys see what's happening here? In this book, uh, I'm not just reading the book. I'm, first of all, highlighting the sections that like strike me. I'm then putting them into a tool like Highlightish, and then I'm having a conversation with that section, and I'm pulling it apart to get my meaning out of it. I can then use that information to write essays or to uh, do lectures or create videos or whatever it might be. So if you're struggling, like Bridget was, at reading nonfiction, and you're finding it hard to stay awake and interested and engaged, these are the ideas that I have for you. Uh, my favorite being, get your yellow highlighter and have an argument with the author. Eat that frog first thing in the morning. Get in there and, and do it first thing and have that experience and move on with your day. And my other favorite uh, tool here is to annotate your highlights with a tool like Highlightish or uh, just a personal journal. It's not enough to highlight your favorite bits. You need to actually analyze them and ask critical questions. And the information, I promise, will become far more interesting. Last but not least, if you don't like the book, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Take a different course in college or whatever read stuff that moves you as a person. I hope this helps all of you today. It means a lot to me that you're here. Thanks again for the support. Uh, these episodes come out every week uh, at Tuesday at two o'clock, and uh, they're on all of the podcast channels wherever you consume your podcasts. So thank you for sharing it. If you like this video today or you got something out of it, it would mean a lot to me if you uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel or the Facebook page uh, or whatever, whatever suits you and how you like to consume your media. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next week. If you'd like to take your reading to the next level, then head on over to our website at thereadwellpodcast.com. There you can get access to my weekly newsletter as well as up-to-date show information. Also, don't forget that I learned software development on the side just so that I could build a program to help us make better book notes as we read. If you're interested, go to highlightish.com. Think of highlighting a book, but add ish, I-S-H, at the end. Highlightish.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next show.